Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Welcome to episode 41 of the Stay Grounded podcast. This week's guest is an incredible woman, uh, Adamaris Mendoza. So Adamaris has arguably one of the most inspiring stories I've heard in a while. Uh, 15 years ago, she experienced a severe illness from overworking, from just trying to do everything and anything uh, to be more than she needed to be. Uh, that almost took her life. She was almost $50,000 in student debt. She had to quit her job at a prestigious bank because of this illness. And uh, she she was just in a place that most of us uh, will likely never see. And what I loved about Adam Maris and her story is that her transformational breakthrough came when she discovered that there was nothing wrong with her. She was just a highly sensitive person. And by surrendering to the, to the world and to just the circumstances that she was born with, she was allowed to grow and change and heal over time. And so she, then she started going down this incredible path of self-discovery and personal development and just learning more about herself that empowered her to create an incredible career as a coach, a mindset strategy expert, a psychotherapist, and an entrepreneur that has now helped hundreds of women get crystal clarity in life and just step into the, uh, the abundance that they can create for themselves. And so she's an incredible human being with, I mean, this episode had me gripping just because it was so incredibly just eye-opening for me to experience this woman's wisdom. And I hope you guys really take a lot away from it. Uh, so before we get started, please, if you haven't already, like us, subscribe to us, follow us on um, iTunes, leave us some love, a review about your thoughts if you like or don't like the show, and just enjoy this ride because you only live once. And so without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce Miss Adamaris Mendoza. Enjoy. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Stay Grounded podcast. I'm your host, Raj, and I am here with my friend, Adamaris. Adamaris, how are you? I am doing great. It's my birthday. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my gosh, you did not mention that earlier. Well, happy birthday. I'm. Thank you. I'm so grateful you chose to, to spend your day here. Uh, that just makes me really happy. So thank you for making me happy. No problem. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, you have got such an amazing journey uh, that I, I remember when I first heard you say it, uh, I actually got a little, like I got, I got chills going up my spine just because it it's such a real story that isn't talked about enough. And I know there are so many people around the world that are experiencing similar things. So I want to, I want to start there. Uh, talk to me about uh, the severe illness that, 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 that you went through uh, almost 15 years ago and, and how that started a journey for you uh, that brought you to where you are here now in this present moment. You know, I say that um, it's an illness or a condition because that's how, you know, we humans categorize it. But it really was one of my greatest gifts. Um, and I know I hear people that have, you know, recovered from cancer and severe illnesses that say the same thing. And it was really one of the biggest gifts that 
that I could have ever been given because before um, I suffered from adrenal, severe adrenal exhaustion, which, you know, it, 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 what it really is, is your body is just exhausted. You've lived a life of being on alert, fight or flight, being overworking, because you know how we are high achievers. And, you know, I grew up in a family that you have to achieve, you have to get all A's and you have to go to college and you have to get a master's and you have to keep going because that's the way that you succeed is you, you go through the education system and then you get a corporate job and then you're successful. And so I try to do that, right? Like we all try to achieve, you know, how our parents taught us and I tried to do it the world's way, right? And um, I was overworked, exhausted, you know, my body just couldn't take any more. And, you know, back then, really the doctors weren't really paying attention to that. So they they really didn't know what was going on. They had no clues, no answers. um, And it was left left up to me. I, I, I was in a point where I couldn't leave my house. I had to quit my job. I worked it at a bank um, in investment section of a big bank. And I had to leave corporate because I couldn't work. I physically couldn't work. Um, and I had to move in with my parents. I was single at the time. And either it, it got so bad where I really couldn't leave the house um, because I could, my body couldn't eat. Um, I couldn't digest food. My body was not digesting food, so I couldn't eat. So I couldn't really leave the house. I was basically just taking liquids. Um, and if I left the house, I, would, I didn't have any energy. So I barely could even get off the sofa and I had no answers because doctors really didn't know. So I was faced, I remember um, there was a night that I was watching a pastor on TV and I just felt like it was the moment to, uh, to seek out help from God. And I was Christian. I, I go to church, but I felt like I, there was no real connection between me and God. I just went because that's what you do. Um, but at that night I felt that I had to make a choice and it had to come from me. I had to verbalize it. And it was basically either I let myself die because I mean, what, what else is coming next? Or I said, no, I'm not going to die. I need help. And God, just give me the help. Send me the people. Just tell me what to do. And I, I made the choice. I was like, I, I don't want to die. I really don't, but I don't want to keep living the life that I've been living. If, if, if living the life that I've been living is what, you know, is left. I don't want that because this, that life led me to this. And so I just bowed down. I surrendered, you know, I'm, I'm Puerto Rican. I'm half Dominican and half Puerto Rican. So we are not, we don't surrender, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like you're not taught that. Yeah. You know, you're taught, you fight, you're a fighter, you survive, you don't bow down. You just do it with your own two hands because no one's going to give you anything. You know, you're an immigrant, you know, you're a minority. No one's going to give you anything. You have to fight for everything you have. That takes a lot of energy. That destroys your body. And so I didn't want to fight anymore. I didn't want to do it that way. And so once I asked, you know, I, I, I saw the mentors that I needed, the healers coming in. I had no money. I was like $50,000 in debt and I had no income. (laughs) Yeah. You just quit your job. Yes. So I saw the blessings come in, the opportunities come in. I mean, mentors just recommended me to other mentors and I basically almost paid really nothing um, for the help that I received and all came from people, you know, bringing in people. And I work with Chinese medicine and Indian uh, medicine. Um, So diverse. I learned so much um, and I was able to heal. And I saw my body healing. And as my body was healing, my mind was healing. And I was reconnecting with myself and my purpose came. Um, I met my husband through that, purpose, through that journey. Um, and it's going to be nine years for us being married now. Um, so I met my soulmate through that. I thought, who's going to marry a woman who's $50,000 in debt and sick, right? That's yeah. what I thought at the, at the time. But, you know, it, it, when you accept uh, the journey and you accept the purpose and you accept just moving forward and accept surrender and, and help, it just happens. And then I went back to school and became a psychotherapist. Let me ask you, uh, first of all, thank you so much for sharing. What do you think made people want to help you after you made the decision to accept the help? I think that was their purpose. And when you surrender spiritually and energetically, 
when you're surrendering, it's not a defeat. People think that surrender equals defeat, but when you surrender, actually you activate, you activate the heavens, you activate universe, you activate God, you know, whatever you believe, you activate um, that energetic source that created everything. And now those channels are open for you. And people that their purpose is to help people like you, is to help you, can get to you. Um, because, I mean, the people that, that I met were really just by word of mouth, just by someone that I met that I started working. Somebody recommended someone and I started working with them and then they recommended someone else. And, and that's really how it happened. Um, and one of the mentors that helped me the most, um, you know, her fees were ridiculous. We're like $35 an hour or something like that. Um, you know, and, and so it's the surrendering part, um, that really activates all the help that you need, but you have to be willing to receive it. Right. Um, you know, I received people that work with me and didn't charge me anything. And afterwards I was able to, to pay it back. But at, at the time I didn't know that I would be able to pay it back. So you have to be humble and accept and a lot of times people don't receive the help because we're taught that we have to be bold and we, you know, we can't accept free or we can't accept help because then that means that we're not strong. So how do you reverse that mindset? I mean, you went through excruciating circumstances that forced you to challenge beliefs and, and things that you grew up with thinking. For people who haven't gone through stuff like that, how do you reverse that to, to, to start receiving more and, 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 and just being somebody who can accept help and love and, and care from, from those around you? I would say, take it one step at a time, right? We sometimes just want to hurry. We just want to hurry. And my recovery took, my full recovery took about five to six years, full recovery. Um, I was, I was better by a year two, um, but fully recovered. That's how severe it was. So it was, I mean, I was, my body was shutting down. So it was the end of the road for me. Um, but full recovery was five to six years. Um, but I would tell people don't wait, right. Don't wait until that happens. Um, you can start, you know, with a simple, simple thing of before you're able to receive from others, because sometimes it's just hard to take that step and receive from other people, um, receive from God and the nature and the universe. And one of the things that is, is just amazing and will really make a, a change in your life is in the morning, go outside and plant your feet on the ground, mm, not yeah. on cement, not on wood, not on the plastic, on the ground. Just find a little patch of grass or a little patch of dirt or sand and plant your feet on the ground and just receive. Just be able to receive. Start from there. If you have a tree in your backyard, hug a tree. You might look ridiculous, but I guarantee you that that practice alone will change your health. It will change your life. It will start opening you up because you start feeling comfortable with receiving energy. Let me ask you this. Now, looking back on, on sort of the circumstances you're in, what do you think caused you specifically to have that type of a reaction to hard work? Was it, was it, was it something, was it something you were eating? Was it something that, that you were, you were born with? Like what, what was the root reason? You know, it's really a misconception because it's not really the hard work, right? Um, if we, if we look, for example, let's take Nelson Mandela, right? How many years was he in prison and he was doing hard labor, right? Um, for how many years, 25 years was yeah. he in prison and how long did he live, right? So it's not really the hard work because when we have a purpose, sometimes we work, you know, so many hours, but it's not really work because it's our purpose. It's really the belief system. It's your belief system that creates that because your belief system um, is is energy. Your thoughts are energy. So when you're overworking in something that's not your zone of genius, it's not your purpose, but you're doing it because you believe that because you're working so hard, you're worth something and people are going to notice you and it's going to make you money and you're financially going to be okay. And you're going to be successful. That's where it depletes you because the belief is the one that sucks the energy out of you because you're not, when you operate in purpose, you're connected to source. Source has unlimited amounts of energy. You are, and I am energized by doing this interview. 
I'm not working. I'm not depleted. After I finish this interview, I'm probably going to work out again. I am not depleted because I am working on my purpose. When I'm connected, I am connected to the source energy. When I'm not, I'm doing things with my hands. And the energy in my body is not infinite. It's not. So the thought it just creates a cycle that depletes your energy instead of replenish. And that's where your organs just lose vitality. You lose vital life force energy and they become ill. How did you become so sensitive to the energy in your body uh, to be able to pinpoint this level of clarity within yourself? Like I, I personally, like, I, I find it amazing just how in tune you are with your body and this and how sensitive you are to the concepts like energy and and how dif- and how just stepping on grass makes you feel how do you cultivate that sensitivity trust me if you would have met me then i this was the last thing that i would have ever been talking about because i grew up in a very conservative um christian background where all this is new age right so that's not something that you would even touch so that's not something that i would have even you know even looked at, but um, I, I have to thank my parents um, in a way because my parents were avid readers. And so they had an extensive library of books at home. And when I was in high school, I started reading, oh, I can't remember, I don't know how you pronounce it, but O.G. Mandino. And um, he, I started reading his books and he, he wrote in such a spiritual way with concrete examples. And I had that seed there. And so um, I didn't pay much attention after that. Um, Paulo Coelho also, I, they had his book. So I had a little bit of background in that, but not, it was not part of my life. But when I became really ill, that's when all that stuff came back. When I surrendered, all those memories came, right? So that seed came back and I was like, well, maybe, you know, I should just go and explore more about that because that sounds like something that could help me. And I started opening myself up. Uh, to new mentors and new teachers and uh, new information. And that made the difference is the opening up. As you see, everything is part of surrendering to, to just the new and the unknown. It's how, just scary. How scared were you when you surrendered? Um, I was pretty scared. I think I was pretty scared up until the point where I made the decision. Like the, I remember that moment that I made the decision being, it was very calm. It was, it was either or. It was either I was just going to let go um, or I was just going to surrender and then see what God was going to do. So up until that point, I was kind of scared because I didn't know what was happening. I, nobody could tell me. And all I could think of is, is the rest of my life going to look like this? Am I just going to be 80 in my parents' house, not being able to go anywhere? Am I not even going to make it to 40? I thought at some point I wasn't going to make it to live to 40. So before the, the decision, the surrendering, I was very scared. Once the surrender came, I wasn't anymore because I could feel it. I, I opened myself up and I could feel that I was being guided. So I knew that it was going to be okay. When you say you, uh, the fear went away, do you, do you think the fear went away in that moment or has it gone away? Like how is, what is your relationship with fear? Because like, I think that that immediate moment, I can see like, you'd be very inspired or like, or like, Mm -hmm. like, or like have a calming presence, but fear doesn't, at least in my life, it doesn't go away. It just comes back in a different form. Right. Um, So how did fear continue showing up in your life after you made the decision to surrender? Well, you know, I just, the definition of fear changed. What is fear changed? Because when we think of fear and what we've taught, we've been taught that fear is, is, oh my gosh, something horrible is going to happen. Uh, if I do this, you know, I'm gonna be, if I invest in this, I'm going to be broke. If I go this place, I might have an accident. Like it's, it's all something really bad is going to happen. And we, it's really comes from us as humans naming things, right? Because fear, what we've named fear is just a physical reaction, right? Is there, is it a reaction of stimulation is the reaction of arousal, but that feeling of arousal that happens in your body can happen if you're excited because something amazing is happening because you're going on vacation. Um, you feel the same exact, it's the same arousal as if, oh my God, there's a, there's a, 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 you know, a bear coming. It's the same feeling. So it's how you rename that. So, you know, when I feel that feeling in my body that, you know, before I would interpret as fear, I now interpret as there's a change coming. There's a shift coming. 
there's something that's going to be different. And it's up to me if I embrace that shift or if I shy away from it. Granted, I'm not perfect. So <laughs> sometimes the feeling is a bit overwhelming and I might retract for a bit, right, before I jump in. Um, because I know what the effects of jumping in have, and you know it, it might be too much, so too much stimulation. So I, but I'm conscious of there's something that's different. Um, so instead of if being if feeling fear as something bad, um, I just shifted into wow, some change is coming. Um, I'm going to another level. I'm getting new information. I'm getting you know new is a new awakening, something that I've never experienced before. Now, that that makes so much sense because you're right. I mean, fear is just another side of the same coin, right? And so it's 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 the same energy source. It's just how you want to channel it. Um, how do you feel like this experience helped you sort of change your purpose, right? Because you, you said it earlier that you, I mean, you didn't know if you were going to live until 40. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty morbid idea and a thought, right? How did that, how did this experience change your purpose and, and the way that you chose to start living your life afterwards? I think, you know, our purpose changes. Our purpose changes depending on where we are. Um, so your purpose could be something yesterday and today you wake up and you realize, wow, that's not it anymore. I've fulfilled, you know, that part of the journey and now it's a new purpose. It's a new journey. Um, so when I, when I first was recovering, at that moment with the information I had, I thought I need to become a psychotherapist because, you know, again, going back to the roots of study, right? Validation, yeah. license, you know, that's, I was still there. Um, so I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I did. And I worked as a psychotherapist for years and helped families and helped children and helped women. And it was very satisfying. And I, I know that I did good. But then there was a point where I knew my journey was changing because I was called to do something different, to reach people at you know, farther away. And so coaching um, was, and mentorship was that step that allowed me to do that. So I feel like every step in your journey, um, you know, there's going to be a purpose and then you're shifting and you're going to go to a different purpose. And the key, the key here is to be able to identify that and not shrink and say, I'm not, I, I'm making good money here. Um, this is because it was comfortable, right? I'm comfortable. I'm in my office. People come in. I don't have to get up. <laughs> I really don't have to get up from my chair. People just come in and they'll, they're sent to me. I don't even have to charge them, right? Insurance pays, you know, my assistant. So I don't even have to touch that. And then when you're called at a higher level, all that goes away. And then it's a new system that you don't know. So the key here is to identify when those shifts are, hap are happening and not shrink away and stay in your comfortable zone, how we call it, but, you know, be open to the uncomfortableness, um, the, that fear feeling, uh, be comfortable and be okay with feeling that for a minute, knowing that, you know, as, as always, after that, it, you know, the tranquilness comes and, you know, you know, okay, I was taken care of through the whole process. Now, when you say calling, what do you mean? You can call it calling purpose. You know, people call it all different kinds of things, right? That's, that's the limitations of language is that we try to identify everything with a word. Um, but it's really what you feel um, that you're here to do in that moment. And, and, and so many people struggle with that and say, well, I don't know, you know, what's my calling and what's I have to, when I find out what my calling is, then I'll do it. And people just live so confused about that and postponing and postponing, but your calling and your purpose is in the moment, like, what do you feel like doing in the moment? Like, uh, for example, I, I love my husband because we just went on a cruise and, um, my husband's, you know, when you go on a cruise that you put your credit card on a CPAS card thing, they call and you pay everything tips and everything with that card. Yeah. And, um, if you look at my husband's credit card statement from that ship, it's all tips. Um, everything on that card is tips for him. Um, buying a shirt or buying a, th a thing was just meaningless, but him being able to give, you know, 40, a hundred dollars, $200 to the server that served our food for a whole week, who, you know, is, doesn't have the advantages that we have right now. Um, that those, that, that money could mean 
health for his family, could mean school for his kids. Um, that is his purpose in that moment. Um, and, 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 and that's a calling, right? And, and so we had an experience that really, I mean, it still makes me teary because we were in the main dining room and my dad, um, um, he got contagious by it was contagious, right? My husband's giving was contagious. And um, he, he took, um, he actually took cash from his, from his pocket and he gave it to one of the servers and he was from India. And uh, people don't usually tip servers in the main dining room in the, you know, area. And um, the server just started bowing in front of my dad and my dad just felt so uncomfortable and everybody around was just like so uncomfortable. And it just goes to show that we don't know what that person's going through, right? Why that person's working that job that, you know, until January nonstop to feed their family. So your contribution to them in that moment means not a lot to you, right? But it means life to them. So that's purpose. It's almost like calling for you, the way you're describing it is a way of life Mm -hmm. or it's, it's, it's your core values. Right. So how do you how do you develop the sensitivity to start becoming aware of these callings and 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 the moments? Because there's probably there's probably a specific moment in your husband's upbringing that caused him to feel like, you know what, I want to give back to others in this way. And so anytime that opportunity came up, he gave back. Same thing with you. You know, you went through a personal experience that made you realize, hey, I want to help people this way. How do you start to notice these patterns in your life? So if you don't know what your calling is, you can have a place to start. I think it's your experiences, right? So um, when we say you went through something and that means something, a lot of people say, but what could be, what could be the good thing about this? Like my husband grew up very poor um, with a single mom and she was a waitress for many years. And so they lived on tips right? And tips and what she brought from the restaurant. So that awakened him that every time he sees a server, it doesn't matter where or who they are, he thinks, we don't know how many kids are just waiting for those tips and depending on those tips to eat. So, you know, it, it was not pretty, right? It was not a, it was not a happy a childhood that he experienced because of that, but, um, but it makes him aware. And so what, you know, who knows now he's touched to help other people and how many people we can bless, how many kids could, you know, receive medications and, and food just by that action. So it's just being aware of what we experience. He was also in the military for 20 years. He served in the military as a medic. So, you know, his calling is to help heal people. And that's what he does now. He's retired, but he still works um, training other medics. Now he's not a medic. He's not going to be deployed, but he, his experience, right, is valuable. He teaches other people that are going to be in those zones of disaster in our country and outside our country, um, how to save people because he actually lived it. And people have actually come back to tell him that they were able to save a life with the tips that he told them. So, I mean, that's just one person, right? And my husband's not even an entrepreneur. (laughs) You know, he's just a regular guy that's retired and working and going to school. He's a regular person. So you don't have to be this big influencer. A lot of people, well, when I become famous and an influencer, you know, I'll have power and money to help other people. But my husband's not even an entrepreneur. I'm the entrepreneur. He has a job. He's retired and, and goes to school at the same time, but he can make a difference in other people's lives. So everybody can just contribute where they are. You know, you actually brought up a really good point. I've always believed that, you know, money, success, fame, all that stuff just makes you more of who you already are. And, you know, so when someone comes and tells me, Hey, you know, when I can't wait till I'm here for me to do this, you know, it's almost counterintuitive because you have to do this to be able to experience that, right? Like it has to start here and it has to start now. So in your life, how many different callings have you seen emerge from your journey and how has that, and and how has that shaped the journey to, to, to bring you more of who, like just more of your own essence into the world and, and and paint the world that you want to paint? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. It's like, (laughs) I can't (laughs) mention them because, you know, sometimes there's just so, so in the moment that you even forget that that happened, but you know, it's just always growing, right? Because our ego always tries to 
the ego is not a bad part. We, we, we name the ego as the bad person that, you know, keeps us from moving forward. And it's the ego is bad. Don't listen to your ego. But the ego was created for a reason. And the ego tries to protect us. You know, it tries to keep us from moving forward because that's different. And I don't know what's going to happen over there. And I want you to be safe. And so that's why, you know, I, I, I keep you back. But in order for you to really experience and, you know, what living on purpose is, you have to be able to say to the ego, you know what, I appreciate your help. I appreciate you wanting to protect me, but we've got to do this. I have to open up. So I am listening to you. I respect your opinion, but I am moving forward. I am listening to my spirit um, and talk to it. You know, a lot of people think, you know, that what? That's just, just talk to yourself. <laughs> a lot of times we try to make it so complicated and we need like 400 mentors and the moon being aligned with, you know, whatever. And we have to find for where the Zodiac is and what's my, you know, all this, the cards and I need the cards to be read. And we, we just need so much. Um, and, and if you just talk to you, if you just talk to your body and ask that, you know, I have pain in my neck, why am I experiencing pain in my neck? Why am I experiencing this pain in my shoulders? Could it be that I'm trying to carry too much? Am I carrying everybody that I know? Am I, am I taking control of my whole family of everybody? And am I trying to control everything and carrying the world on my shoulders when that's, that's not what we were designed? Maybe, maybe if you asked your body, you would get that information. How do you think your emotional pain influences your physical pain oh emotions and body are completely interrelated right so um whenever you have experienced any kind of um pain any kind of emotional distress if you don't acknowledge that in that moment right and and, and let it go and heal it and acknowledge it it will accumulate in your body it will accumulate. It will find the weakest part in your body. Everybody's different and it will accumulate and it, it'll cause illness in the yeah. end. So what I tell people is live today, right now. If you're, my husband and I have a, a rule in our marriage. Just like if I'm angry at you, we're going to talk about it now. We're not going to wait a week and just fester, right? Fester in that, in those toxins. And every time I see you, I just feel like I just want to, you know, <laughs> no. Yeah, because if you don't, if you don't resolve it in that moment, it just every time I see you for a whole week, I just want to, you know, I'm just going to be yeah. angry and that that those are toxins. Those are actual physical toxins um, that will be secreted by your body. So, you know, we just talk about it. If, if it's if we're too, you know, too up there, we'll just take a minute, right? And just do something to calm each other down. He'll go to his computer, I'll go to my room. And then later on, in that day, we'll just regather and talk about it um, and just squash it. Because if you don't address it in the moment, it's like a snowball that accumulates silently, like an avalanche, right? Nobody hears it until you're under it. So, um, you know, pay attention to what's going on every day so that you don't accumulate um, those toxins in your body. When you, when you surrendered or when you were going through that experience, what role did forgiveness play? in your life? It is one of the hardest things to do. It is. But if you are not able to forgive, you're still tied to whatever happened. So when someone does something to you or you experience a difficult situation, you must forgive, not for the person. And I know people say that all the time, but it's hard to, why? what do you mean not for the person? You forgive so that you can let go. Because if you are not able to forgive, you are energetically tied to that situation, to that person in time. So it's like you keep recreating that incident in your mind, in your body over and over again, and it, it damages you, it damages your body. So when you forgive, this is the beauty. I mean, source, universe created everything, you know, for a benefit. When you are able to genuinely forgive, you let go, you are free from that pain, from that energy. And you might remember, right? what happened, but you don't remember it with the emotions that you remembered it then with when it happened then. And you're able to liberate your body from having to relive 
that experience. Because think about it, when you can't forgive someone, when an ex cheated on you or somebody betrayed you or somebody just ran into your car and you can't forgive, every time you think about that, you're just so angry, which means that that's still in your body. So whenever something happens around you that mimics anything similar to that, when, you know, if a cheat, if an ex cheated on you and you haven't been able to let go and heal that, when you're trying to go into a new relationship, you know, first you're going to attract people that are going, that are more or less inclined to do that again, because you're stuck there and that's your energy. So you'll attract people that, you know, kind of have the same energy. And second, you're not going to be happy because you're going to be thinking every minute, this person's going to cheat on me. Right. So when you're able to forgive and let go and heal, then you're not attached to that anymore. What does forgiveness feel like? I think most people, when they say, you know, I I forgive you or I, I forgave them, they're just saying that it's not real because the emotions are still there. The resentment's still there. So what does true forgiveness, what is that supposed to feel like? I think is, um, and I, I've worked with many people that tell me, oh, I, that's not what's happening to me because I already forgave them. And of course, I know it's not, you know, because for my years of experience, I'm like, no, this is why this is happening. Um, but I think forgiveness is, is being, it's kind of being humble. And again, is, is talking to the ego because the ego is the one that doesn't want to forget. Because remember, the ego is past. The ego uses the past to predict the future. So the ego hold on, holds on to that because the ego is like, you're not dating ever again. Or if you're going to date, then we're going to date someone that's similar because I already know what happens and I already know that we can survive cheating, right? Mm. So we're just going to recreate the same pattern because I know you can survive it. If you dated someone that doesn't cheat, I don't know how that looks like. What does a, long dis- a long-term relationship look like? I don't know what that is. So by holding on to the past... It's just recreating the same pattern. So it's really talking to the ego and say, you know what? I'm just going to let go of this. I'm just going to forgive. And I'm open to new experiences and we'll be okay. Oh, that's so powerful. You're, you're essentially saying that surrendering and forgiveness is you allowing yourself to experience a better possibility because your ego wants you to experience what you already know. Yes. Oh, my yes. gosh. That is so powerful. I mean, it gives you so much more clarity and it makes forgiveness so much more important. So forgiveness and surrendering are really the same in your, in in your world. Yes. I mean, uh, to give you a concrete example for years, I married my husband when I was 35 and he was my first husband. And before then all the relationships I had were with men that were emotionally unavailable. They were just not emotionally available. So it was a disaster, right? And so, you know, I was like, am I cursed? Like, what's going on? And through this journey, I learned that what happened was, you know, growing up, my father was an immigrant and he had to work hard to support us because nothing was handed to him, right? Because that's the mentality. It's like, I am an immigrant. I have to work hard. So he, he had too much in his plate emotionally, he was just not available. He was a great guy, but he was just emotionally, he he couldn't give anymore. So I was used to having a male figure in my life that was there, but was not emotionally present. I could not connect with him. So that's what my ego, my body thought was normal, was safe, because we know how to handle that. You've survived that. You grew up, you're okay. So every man that I would attract or look upon to, you know, was emotionally unavailable. And until I was able to heal from that by forgiving my father, which was just not easy. I'll tell you, it's not an easy process. You know, I had to be guided by a mentor. So most of the times really we're not meant to do this work by ourselves, which is not, uh, our ego is very strong. So I, w- I had the help from very powerful mentors and, you know, I was able to forgive him for that and let go. And once I re- released that is when I met my husband, um, who was actually doing work on his own before he met me. So that's the power of forgiveness. That's what it changes your entire life. So it's almost like forgiveness allows you to attract the opposite of, of your past. So how does, how does the idea of surrendering forgiveness align with almost like the, you know, the law of attraction or, or attracting who you are or what you are? How does, how, how do the two connect? 
that is so important you bring that up because you know people are trying to visualize and and manifest and and all that stuff and really attracting what you consciously want is healing in order for you to attract what you consciously want you have to heal because you are constantly emitting messages to the universe who co-creates with you so you're emitting messages from your consciousness, which is your vision board, your visualizations, your journaling. That's your consciousness emitting messages to the universe of what you want. But your, your subconscious and your body is emitting messages at the same time. So there, if you're not healed, if you haven't forgiven, you're contradicting your most, you're probably contradicting, right? And in, in, in a lot, in, actually in the most important things, because usually the, one, the thing you want more, which is a relationship, you know, you want to succeed, you want more money, you want all these things. Those are really huge, important things in your life. And if you don't have them, you're probably, probably, <laughs> you know, contradicting them with your subconscious because your subconscious says either it's not safe for you to have that it's not safe for you to have all that money because then people are going to come and your family members are going to come and ask you for money and that's going to create conflict in your life. So it's not really safe for you to have that money or it's not possible. You're an immigrant. You're a woman of color. Um, uh, you're not even pretty. Like you can't have a husband that's going to love you um, for the rest of your life. So you have your vision board and your list, but your subconscious is saying that's not possible for you or you're not worthy. You're not enough. You're not enough to have a business. You can't handle that. A six-figure business, a seven-figure business, that's too much. It's going to squash you. That you, you're not, you're, you can't handle that. Or, you know, you're not worthy. You're not deserving. Look at what you did to your brother. Look at how you, you know, how you treated your dad yesterday or how, you know, what you said two days ago. You don't really deserve to have good things and have success. So, those three things are really key. I always tell people, if you're not manifesting what you consciously want, ask yourself, you know, ask your subconscious, ask your subconscious, do I not feel worthy of it? Do I think it's not possible? Or do I think it's not safe? Because one of those three or a combination of those are what's keeping you from actually experiencing it. <laughs> I mean, it makes so much sense. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to process this right now because you're right. Your subconscious and your conscious brain are always working together. I remember when I first started my business. I mean, I mean, my, you know, my, my bathroom was like a fortune cookie. Like I, I had to, I had like quotes and like, like things in there just because in the beginning, like you don't, like I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't believe my subconscious didn't believe that I was capable of being one. So almost you have to like brainwash your subconscious. Now with healing, what I love and the idea of healing, the way you look at healing, what I love so much is that you are saying that forgiveness is almost like unlocking the things you really want and healing your past or ex not even, maybe it's not healing. Maybe it's acceptance. Maybe it's accept That's the first step. Yes. Accepting your past is essentially the first step of forgiveness, right? Yes. But accepting is hard. Uh, so how do you, how do you get better at just accepting the things that are happening to you as opposed to thinking that you need to like, it just as opposed to the opposite, which is very, very, very ego driven. Yes. Acceptance is the first step. So, you know, everything is intertwined. So manifesting is not different from healing. Healing is manifesting. Right. So it's all intertwined. It's all one thing. We try sometimes to complicate it. Right. We try to complicate it because we can create courses and programs and we can, we can write books about it. And, you know, but it's it's really it's really simple. You know, it's it's accepting. It's living in the now. One of one of the books that, I, you know, one of my mentors that he doesn't know he's my mentor, but Eckhart Tolle, um, or Tolle, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but um, his book, The Power of Now and A New Earth, I mean, those two books changed my life. I literally had the biggest shift I've ever had reading his books. And it's, you know, accepting the now, living in the now and, and accepting, accepting what's happening to you is not a defeat, right? A lot of people think that acceptance is defeat, but accepting is this is what's happening, right? This is reality right now. So the only way for me to change something is to acknowledge it first, right? This is what's happening now. And, you know, why is this happening now? 
right? So let me accept it. And then, you know, let's go into forgiveness. A lot of people have so much, you know, difficulty with that. I've, I've worked with women that, you know, when I ask them, you know, how was their childhood and, you know, how were the dad and the mom and the relationship with them at first, they're like, oh, everything is fine. My childhood was normal. Everything was great. And then after we get deeper into working together, we find out that dad was abusive, um, that mom was, you know, emotionally not there. And, they've they've been living in a non-acceptance of what their childhood was right so if you don't accept what what really happened um you don't you can't forgive because there's nothing you think there's nothing to forgive so you're still tied to that so it's the acceptance it's accepting what is um a lot of times acceptance bring you know we are ashamed or we feel guilty um of accept of accepting what happened. So we have to work again. It's the ego, right? So we go back to the ego is to let the ego know it's going to be okay. It's okay for me to accept this because the only way for me to move on is to accept this. And I will not manifest um, a partner in my life. That's going to love me and care for me. If I don't accept that I wasn't loved and cared. How, do you, how do you differentiate between impatience and the ego? Because patience is always ego. <laughs> So, yeah, but like, I guess like when I'm thinking, I, when I think about ego, right? I mean, let's think of ego like your alter shadow. It's like a shadow, right? Yeah. As many different faces you can put on this shadow, the more you can recognize it when it comes up in your life. Because I think a lot of people, including myself, would confuse the, the emotions or the states that ego creates to be my reality, when we know both, we both know that it's, it's actually the ego and it's not my reality, it's my past. And it means that it's something I have to fix. So how do you start to become aware of ego showing up versus something else in your life showing up that, and, 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 and how do you start to put blinders on so that you can start healing faster? I think it's a choice, the choices you make in every second of your life. Every and it's interesting because I was actually um, hearing, uh, reading, rehearing a book. It was an audio book, so it was like listening to a book yesterday that was talking about exactly that. And it was talking about how you know everybody tells us, "Oh, choose happiness. Always choose happiness. You're free to choose happiness. Choose happiness." But you know sometimes it's not easy. Like if you're going through a very difficult time, somebody passed away in your family. You're in, you're you're going through a huge terrible illness. You had an accident. You know, uh, telling someone to choose happiness, uh, please, it's it's not what's happening. How can I do that right now? Right. So it's meeting ourselves where we are. Right. Um, if if we're going through a difficult time, where saying that I'm happy right now is just not in alignment with yeah. where I am, is starting surrendering and accepting and saying, you know what, God, universe, source, you know, whatever name you want to give it, right? Because it's just a name. Um, I don't feel happy right now. I don't, I just, you know, I don't like what's going on right now. Um, this is just not something that I like that I appreciate. I, I just can't choose happiness. Help me to co-create a different reality. Help me to move forward help me to be able to be thankful, you know? So, so that's what you do. It's it, it, and that's choosing happiness, but without being, you know, saying it fakely, like, yes, I'm happy. I'm in victory. I'm great. Where you're not, it's not about pretending you're happy. Choosing happiness is not about pretending you're happy. It's about actually accepting where you are right now. Which then allows you to overcome it, to make yourself happy. So beautiful. So that's such a, you're, yeah, I just love the way you think. And, and I, I love, I love your purpose and your mission and just how much you're giving back. Um, I don't know, how, how can we support you? So like, what, what, what are you working on? Like, how can, how can we help you uh, just send all the love that you're sending to people right now? I would appreciate if anytime you hear my name or think about me, just send me love. <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I tell this to a lot of people and they're like, but give me something more concrete. And I was like, you have no idea how much energy this kind of work requires. And the power of people loving you, right? The, the power of people like today's my birthday and people have been commenting on, on, on my page and sending me messages and sending me love. And you have no idea the power that that has um, on someone, you know, the, the effect that that power has on someone. Um, and, and, and if you can 
if you can just do something in the moment, right? If you, if you see someone that needs help, um, just help them. Because when you do that, you help me. You help everybody. If, think about it. If everybody did one act of kindness a day, um, what kind of world would we have? If we cared about somebody, sometimes we're just, you know, giving to other people, other countries, uh, let me send money to Africa or to India and your neighbor doesn't have money to pay the electric bill, right? You know, there's kids in your city that, you know, that, that don't have any parents, um, that live in an orphanage. Um, you know, there's just so many little things that uh, I had an aunt that Every month she would go, there was an orphanage that she had identified in the city. And every month she would buy a birthday cake, balloons, and little trinkets. And she would celebrate every kid's birthday on that day every month. Um, because otherwise they wouldn't have a birthday cake because the orphanage just couldn't afford that. So that's what she did every month. I mean, how much does that cost? Yeah. No, well, uh, you've inspired me and uh, I'm going to, one, send you a ton of love because happy birthday. And I, I'm just so grateful that you took time out of your day to be here. And I'm just, I'm just really, really, really grateful. And I'm going to sending all sorts of positive love and, and, and everything your way. And I will do one act of kindness. I'll let you know what that is later. I don't know what that's (laughs) going to be, but I'm going to be nice to somebody. Um, (laughs) but uh, I had one last question for you, Maris, um, in the midst of everything you've been through, um, from, the, the, the struggles to, uh, to, to overcoming, to surrendering, to experiencing life in the way you are now, how do you stay grounded? I plant my feet on the ground every morning. <laughs> I should have seen that coming. I set myself up. I set myself up. <laughs> I just feel, I mean, I think every day that I live is extra, right? So I didn't at 30, in my thirties, I didn't think I was going to make it to 40. So today's my 44th birthday. Right. So and I'm the healthiest um, that I've ever been in my life. Right. So, um, I mean, nothing. Right. I mean, things happen. Of course, my life is not perfect. Things happen um, that I have to deal with every single day. But that's nothing. Right. Compared to thinking you're not going to live. So, um, I, I mean, some, some days I'm human, right? So some days they look really gloomy and you just want to go to bed and watch Netflix and eat ice cream. And sometimes I do that because sometimes you just need to do that. You just need to allow yourself to just do nothing and just wallow for a minute. Right. That's acceptance. (laughs) Acceptance. I just want to wallow. And watch Netflix and, you know, that's what I want to do. And some moments require that, Um, but that's not, you know, it's not every day. Yeah. Yeah. No. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. You, I just want to give you a big hug. Um, Send it it to me. All right. Let's take a big old hug. Um, Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for sharing all of this with our tribe and, and, uh, Guys, I hope you hope you got a lot of good out of this episode. I mean, I, I'm I'm feeling all sorts of warm and fuzzy right now. Um, but everybody, that is a wrap for this week's episode of the Stay Grounded podcast. I'm your friend Raj. This is your friend Adam Maris. And from us, please stay grounded. Stay grounded, people. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Stay Grounded podcast, brought to you by Java Press Coffee Company. My name is Raj, and I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to make daily happiness a priority. If you're interested in learning more about how your morning coffee can turn into a consistent source of joy in your life, visit www.javapress.com to learn how our products can help you do that and use the coupon code PODCAST for 10% off your purchase. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.